you remember the book of Revelation, but uh, John was weeping because no one was found to be worthy to open the scroll. And he was told, weep not for the lamb, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain but lives forevermore is worthy. And that is Jesus. And that is exciting. And that's a woohoo! Okay, somebody give me a woo! Yes, yes. Now, I do not have a ladder today, but we need to begin where we left off last week and our last Sunday, and that is the way up to joy, the way up to unity is down. And the spiritual principle is found. Paul's going to quote it. In fact, turn in your Bibles to Philippians because we're going to be there, as you know. But look at chapter two again and it begins at verse three and this is the theme that he then uses jesus as an illustration and then we used a, an illustration to illustrate what paul was saying but look at verse three again do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interest of others and here's a slide from last week, right? Tammy already has it up. Humility. Putting others before yourself is the ladder that leads to unity and joy. And the way up is down. The way up is down. Uh, again, Paul uses Jesus as his example, his illustration. And last week, where, where did Jesus start? At the tippy top of the ladder, correct? He was at the very tippy top of the ladder. And if you remember from last week and see if you can do it, he did this. He opened his hands, right? He gave up his rights and put others above himself. Good, you guys. I'm glad you're with me. Jesus starts at the tippy top and then he goes down and he goes down and he goes down and he went all the way off of the ladder down into the grave, right? And then we kind of we, we left him there. Uh, but we know he's not there, but we kind of left him there so that we can then move on. Now, this is a legitimate question. Where is the joy? Because it was all about the ups and downs of joy. Where is the joy in opening your hands? Where is the joy letting go of your rights? Where is the joy in putting others above yourself? That's a legitimate question, right? Right? Where's the joy in that? Where's the joy in going down the ladder? So let's refresh our definition, or refresh our memories of our definition of joy. So let's look at the, the next slide, Tammy. Happiness is a temporary response to a circumstance. Remember that? Happiness happens to do with hap, which means chance, which means circumstantial. And then I had you fill in the blank. I'll be happy when, and you fill in the blank. I'll be happy when the Cowboys win, right? I'll be happy when I get a big tax refund. I'll be happy when my wife isn't snarky. Ooh, wait. I better say that on this side, right? I'll be happy when, and we did another fill in the blank. And we suddenly realize happiness is happen chance. It depends on chance, and it depends on circumstances. Joy, though, on the other hand, is this deep, abiding confidence built on your relationship with God, that you and Him, you're tight, 
And no matter what the world throws at you, you know he's got your back, that you are precious to him, that you are loved by him. Whether you have cancer or whether you have financial problems or whether you have other issues, he's always there. And there's peace that comes and just washes over us. Now, I still need to ask the question, where is the joy in the latter? Where is consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith? Where's the joy in opening my hands? Where's the joy in letting go of my rights? Where's, where's that joy in putting others above myself? Or yourself. Now, I'm not asking the question negatively because I know the answer. So uh, I'm kind of teasing you a little bit because the answer is right here in our text. We endure tough circumstances. We let go of our rights. We, let, we open up our hands and we put others above ourselves and we stop our complaining. None of you complain, right? We stop our whining. We let go of our rights and we put others above ourselves because, here's the big because, because we believe God. We have faith. We have this deep confidence built on that relationship that the things that are wrong will be made right in time. That God has not left us. God has not abandoned us. God has not left us to fend for ourselves. That somehow in all of his sovereignty, all the things that were wrong are going to be undone and it's going to be made right again. Faith in him that opens our hands to do the right thing. Faith in him to let go of our rights. Faith in him that we put others ahead of ourselves is the right thing to do. We have faith in that. And I I want you to see this, this thing about trusting God in the midst of going down the ladder. And it answers the question, is there joy going down the ladder? Now, it's out of Hebrews. It's not out of our text, but it gives us insight. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the what? What does the text say? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God right now. Jesus didn't find joy in the cross. Just like you don't find joy in your trial. Whatever trial you're in, whatever tribulation you're in, whatever circumstance you're in, you don't find joy in that. In the midst of tough circumstances. But because the joy was set before him, he was able to to endure the cross. And the joy is on the other side of the trial. It's on the other side of the circumstance. Why consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith... Ah, the testing of your faith. It comes back to this word faith again. That how can we go down the letter? Because we have faith that God's going to make it okay. It may be dark now, but faith means that the morning's coming. Good things are coming. Desirable things are coming. 
and it's coming with joy. Joy is on the other side of the cross, and God is faithful, and he has hand, in his hands is, is this joy. So last week, we looked at these verses, 5 through 8, and we saw Jesus go down the ladder. So let's get to the joy part. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Let's pick it up at verse 9. And now, some of your translations, I think many of them, will start with therefore. And we have to just stop and ask, why is the there? Why is the therefore? Because it's referring back. Because voluntarily, Jesus chose to go down the ladder. Open his hands, let go of his rights, and put others above himself. And because of that, therefore, God has highly, what does your text say? Highly exalted him. And that's the very first fill in the blank, by the way. He, God exalts. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't exalt himself just like you don't exalt your own self. God highly exalts. Now that word in, in the original angle, language, it, it rhymes with super, and it's hooper. And it means, we get the word hyper from it. It means that he hyper-exalted Jesus to the very tippy, 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 tippy top, if you can measure anything. That God highly exalted him. God lifted him up. God is the source. God is the power. God is the authority behind the upward movement. And that's important. I'll tell you why it's important. Jesus didn't have to exalt himself. Can I tell you a secret? It's not a secret. But it's something that we've lost in this culture. You do not have to exalt yourself. You do not have to exalt yourself. Jesus didn't get his day in court to show the world that his rights were violated. You don't need your day in court. When you were younger and maybe a little more immature like I was, I always wanted my day in court when I had an argument with somebody, had an argument with a coworker, had an argument with my spouse, had an argument with a child, had an argument with anybody. And I felt I was wronged and I had my rights violated. I wanted my day in court. Don't tell me you've never wanted your day in court because I know. You've wanted your day in court. According to this, you don't get your day in court. You don't need your day in court because you can't do anything because it's God who exalts. God is the source of you moving up the ladder. If you try to exalt yourself by your own strength and your own wisdom and your own craftiness and your own flesh, you, you ain't going anywhere. God lifted Jesus up. That's what the text says. Go back to the text. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God sees. That's encouraging. God is one who exalts and lifts up and places at the top. One on the day that the church was birthed and the Holy Spirit was released and it was the day of Pentecost and Peter got up and, and these are the words he said out of Acts chapter 30 uh, chapter 2. He said, this Jesus God raised up, and that we are all witnesses of, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. And you can't get any higher than the right hand of God because that references the throne of God. He's sitting on the throne. God highly exalted him. And later Peter 
is going to tell the Jewish leaders because he's, he's in trouble for doing something in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 5. But listen to what he says. God exalted him at his right hand as prince, as leader, and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. Man, that's why there's power in the name of Jesus. Because God highly exalted him. And in Ephesians, Paul says this, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. See, God is the one who does the exalting, not ourselves. Can I encourage you? Have faith. Have patience enduring a bad circumstance or a bad trial or a bad tribulation. God sees. God sees all of this. Scripture says that He sees every tear that you shed. He has captured in a bottle. He sees it. God will lift you up. You should say that. God will lift me up. Say that with me. God will lift me up. Now put a smile on your face when you say it. God will lift me up. God's going to lift me up. And we can see and hang on to the joy that comes by trusting God. He will lift you up, so don't despair. For the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy that was there, He endured. We'll go back to the text for a moment. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed. That's another way of saying He gifted Him. He bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. So here's the fill in the blank. God gifts. God gifts it's another way to, to say bestowed. Jesus has been given the name that is above all names. Jesus is the name given to, to the Son of God as He took on flesh. Remember when the angel came and said, you will name Him what? Jesus. He will save His people from their sin. How many of you know that Jesus has been given a new name? He's been given a new name. We don't know what it is. Now, there's a slide I, I want you to put up, Tammy. It's Revelation 3.12. He's talking to one of the churches where he's encouraging and rebuking them, the seven churches that are found in the book of Revelation. And he says, for the one that perseveres, he said, I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own what? Jesus is going to have a new name. Don't know what it is. But right now, we have to reference Jesus as Jesus. But, you know, in the book of Acts, about a hundred times, Jesus is always referred to as Lord. Some scholars and historians think that's what Jesus' new name is, Lord, because you can't get any higher in a name that is more powerful than the Lord, the Creator God, who created everything by the power of his voice, that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
What is the name above all names? Jesus Christ is Lord. God the Father has given the gift Lord of all to God the Son. Peter again on the day of Pentecost says, Let all the house of Israel know this for certain, that God has made Jesus Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. I don't know what kind of gifts that we're going to receive in heaven. I don't. I know some things we're going to talk about here in a second. Some of the gifts that you're going to receive in heaven. But I do know this, which is kind of cool. If you ever want to dream about it and speculate about it and pray about it and ask the Lord about it. But Tammy, throw the next slide up. Again, he's talking to people that are going through some tough times. and says, and to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. What's a white stone, by the way? Is a diamond a stone? It is. A diamond is a stone. I think we're going to get these big old rocks that are diamonds. I think it's just going to be white like you got it off of the playground and painted it. I think it's a white diamond. Elizabeth Taylor, I don't know if she's going to claim anything to it, but you know what? There's going to be this big old white diamond, but the most important thing about it is with a new name written on it. You're going to get a new name. And on that stone, no one except the one who receives it will know their new name. That kind of sings tingles up you. The pain you're in now, the trial you're in now, the tribulation that you're in now, you letting go of your, opening your hands, letting go of your rights, and putting others above yourself, He is going to gift you. He is going to give you a new name. Go down the ladder, opening our hands. Letting go of our rights, putting others ahead of ourselves, because God is going to bestow upon you a gift an incredible gift of joy a new name that comes with a new purpose i don't know i i I have you know i think about weird things so just work with me on my weirdness okay can you agree that just work with me maybe maybe your new name is sunshine Maybe your new name is something that is just so incredibly wonderful and beautiful because it reflects the gift that God is giving you. Why? Because you opened your hands. You let go of your rights. And you put others above yourselves. And you humbled yourself. And God was so proud of you that he said, I'm going to give. Because remember, Paul is using this as an example. And that example applies to Jesus, but it flows into us. He's going to gift us as well. Go back to the text. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth those in heaven who are the, who are the people those in heaven right now that are bowing well we have the angels don't we 
We have the angels bowing. According to Paul earlier in the chapters, everybody that has died, their dead body is still dead, but their spirit is with Jesus. Remember what Paul said? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he said, I'd much rather go home to be with Jesus than hang out with you folk. He didn't say it quite like that, but that's what he said, right? But he said, but for your sake, I will pursue on. And so who right now is bowing before the throne? The angels, all our loved ones that have committed their life to Christ, they are at the throne. That's so cool that they are there. So everyone, all that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven. And then what about those on on the earth? We know Jesus is Lord and, and are obedient. Right now, we gladly bow the knee, don't we? We gladly confess that Jesus is Lord. By the way, whether people confess Him as Lord doesn't make Him Lord. There is a phrase out there, and I know what people kind of mean, you need to make Jesus Lord. I'll tell you what, He's Lord already. <laughs> what we're doing is we're acknowledging Him and we're being obedient to Him. So when we call Him Lord, we're saying we come under Your authority. We come under Your Lordship. And there are some that are willingly bowing the knee, but right now there are many who are not willingly bowing the knee to Christ. They refuse to bow to the Lord Jesus. And why isn't he doing anything about it? He's giving everybody time to repent. He's giving them time to change their mind and to come under his lordship. They will bow the knee to Jesus and will confess him as Lord. As they are ushered out of his presence into a Christless eternity. He will not be there to save them from hell or to save them from demonic forces or to save them from their own flesh. They rejected Him as Savior and He is honoring their request. But they will bow the knee. But it will be too late since they wanted a Christless eternity. They wanted a Savior-less eternity. They wanted a Godless eternity. And going to the text, it then says, on the earth, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Even the demons, Satan himself, will bow a knee to Jesus. He can't do anything other than to confess him as Lord, but away for all of eternity. Out of the presence of the King of Kings, they will have no choice. And now, just as Jesus was honored, you will be honored. This is, this is cool. This is where it gets a little exciting. You are going to be given a crown. A crown of, according to Scripture, unfading glory. You're going to be given, out of James chapter 1, the crown of life. You're going to be given the crown of righteousness. Now that, the life, righteousness, um, 
glory. It all may be the same crown. But because Jesus humbled himself, he was highly exalted, he was bestowed upon the name, and he is honored and worshipped throughout all of eternity as Lord. But again, it was an example to us that God's going to honor you for your faithfulness. Sometimes we don't always talk about how God is so proud of us and he wants to reward us. And he says he's going to give you a crown. Now, if you're going through a trial and you see the crown on the other side of the trial, can you get through it? Yeah. You can put up with tribulations, circumstances, letting go of your rights, putting others above yourself, doing everything, because that's the economy of of Scripture. Who wants to be first will be last, but who wants to be last will be first. He who wants to serve will be served. He who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. Now that's not the motivation. I'm in it for my ego. No, this is kind of like a side party here. That God is going to give you the crown of life, the crown of glory, and a crown of righteousness. Like I said, I think it's all the same crown. And I love what happens in the book of Revelation because it ties into what's going to happen next in our text. Because in the book of Revelation, the 24 elders do what with their crowns? They pop them off and do what with them? They put them at the feet of Jesus. Go, Go back to the text and see what it says. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to what? To the glory of God the Father. That's the last fill in the blank. God is glorified. Every tongue, and that doesn't mean every tongue. I mean, it can mean every tongue, you know. But it's also tongue means language. Even angelic languages will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even the crowns given to honor us will be placed at the feet of Jesus. And so through faith, Jesus went down the ladder, seeing through the eyes of faith the joy that was on the other side of the cross. Now remember, the whole, the whole passage has been an illustration for us. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves and, and look to the interest of others. Jesus voluntarily went down the ladder and then God brought him up the ladder. And that's how those spiritual principles work. Always contrary to our flesh or to the world. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you die to self, you find your life. See, this is a big contrast between the world and, and what economies operate in, in, in the kingdom. That's how spiritual principles work. Now, I want to show you just a few more things so you are beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm just not going off on a wild tangent. Tammy, can you show the next slide? First Peter. So Peter's going to tell us this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may lift you up. How about the next one? Then it's James says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will what? 
exalts you. How about this out of Matthew? Quoting Jesus, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. How about the next slide? This is my language. You lift yourself up, God's going to bring you down. You bring yourself down, what's God going to do? He's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up. Here's the spiritual truth I want you to grab onto today. God lifts up the thoughtful, giving, humble children. Now, I'm not talking about little children. I'm talking about you, His children. That when we follow the path of Jesus and through faith we look past our trials, our temporary frustrations, our temporary pain, our temporary problems, and we can see the joy behind us, it doesn't give us the right to get grouchy or snarky, does it? Say amen. Yeah. Why? Baby, you're getting a crown. You will be exalted. You're getting a new name. You don't need your day in court because the ultimate judge is going to lift you up. That's just the most amazing thing in the world, that the joy that is set before us can fill us in such a way that we can humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's house. And this is going to be one of the very last times Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. Because every time Jesus shows up at a Pharisee's house, he tells them the truth that they need to get their act together. And every time they get more and more annoyed, this is one of the last times. He goes, he's invited to, and while he's at the house, everybody is vying for positions. See, when people ate, they ate in a horseshoe. I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's the way the tables were set up. A big old horseshoe. And the person of honor sat right in the middle of the horseshoe. And then the way the guests were determined to sit was by how honored the person wanted to honor them. So one at his right, number one position. One on the left, number two position. The next one, number three, the next one, number four, the next one, number five, the next one, number six, all the way until the horseshoe was completed. And Jesus is watching these Pharisees, and they're all jockeying to be in the top slots. And Jesus says this, he told them a parable. When you're invited to someone, by someone, to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you will come to you and say, give your seat up and go to the back of the bus. Go to the back of the line. Go to a lesser prominent position and you will have shame taking the lowest place. Then Jesus says this, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Oh, friend, you shouldn't sit there. You need to move up. And it is the host that moves you up. Then you will be honored in the presence of all. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He went on to tell another parable that basically said this, at the resurrection you will be repaid. He says, if you invite a party, if you have a party that lasts to 3 a.m. wherever you are, Brittany, there you are. Brittany's neighbor, who is a common wall person, had a party till 3 a.m. last night. So Brittany and the baby and Scott are a little, If you have a party, don't invite just your friends or the rich and the powerful. Because you know what? You'll get reciprocated and you'll get to go to their house and you'll get to eat their food and it's like this nice little click. But Jesus says, you want to really be heaven, kingdom-minded? You invite the crippled, the poor, the outcast, the, 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 the dregs of society. And he, and he ends it this way. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And then he says, God's going to repay you. That crown, little, big, jewels, I don't know. But I know this, that God is the one that exalts you. He's the one that lifts you up. God gifts, and there's a gift waiting for you in heaven that is unimaginable. He honors. He's going to give you a new name that is going to be honored among people. And God's going to be glorified by your humility because He's the one that when He lifts you up, He's the one that gets to take the glory. We endure trials and tribulations and tough circumstances Because on the other side, on the other side, there's joy. You've got to have faith, though. You've got to have faith. Otherwise, your mind will spiral out of control and all you will focus on are the circumstances instead of the one who has called you by name. Let me pray. Father, oh, Father, give us a bigger vision for for heaven so often we get so sucked into this world that all we see is our rights being violated or giving up things father forgive us that our vision of you and your glory in heaven and what you have prepared for us is so little it's so puny that we can't see the joy that's behind our trouble. Give us your eyes today, Lord. Give us your vision for what awaits us as you will lift us up at the proper time. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for the joy that you do give us, but increase it. Increase it, Lord. In your name we pray.